My brand voice guide is my business's North Star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. That's why I created the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner, which is a free resource to help your business experience the same as mine. So all you have to do is plug in your business details into the given outline that I've created that has all the essential components of a brand voice guide. So you don't even have to pay to get it created like I did. You can plug in your information and you'll be well on your way to having a cohesive voice across all brand assets. And I've even shared my own brand voice guide with you so you can use it as a reference as you craft your own. It's like having a mentor right by your side. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. Well, hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. This is a bonus episode because I have an extra special returning guest on the podcast today, Miss Marie Forleo. And let me tell you, this episode's going to blow your mind. Here's why. Marie has a brand new book coming out. It's called Everything is Figureoutable. And it is so good. I'm going to try not to gush over it because I love it that much. But you guys know, Marie has been a mentor of mine for 10 years now. She was a friend of mine before I left Tony Robbins. And then when I left Robbins, when I left corporate, she was the first person that really helped guide me into the online business world. And so I know Marie well, but reading this book... I got to see a different side of her, a deeper side of her. I got to see how she built her business. And if you know anything about Marie and her business, it's impressive. Like what she's done over the last 20 years has been extraordinary. And so now I finally, even though I know Marie well, I finally got to see how she thinks and how she processes details and information and how she behaves and how she shows up and what types of beliefs and thoughts have gotten her to the success she has today. Plus, there's so many other stories about this concept of everything is figureoutable. So I already recorded the episode with Marie, so I already know how freaking good it is, but I will tell you about this concept of everything is figureoutable. In the book, Marie talks about the fact that no matter what you're facing, you have what it takes to figure out anything out and become the person you're meant to be. She says, despite what society or your family or your mind may have led you to believe, you are not broken. Nothing is intrinsically wrong with you. You're not a mistake or a fraud or a fake. You're not weak or incapable. Now, when I throw out everything is figureoutable, you might say, yeah, easier said than done. And just because this idea is simple, it doesn't mean that the road ahead is easy. So in the book, you'll learn that it's going to take some humility and some courage and self-compassion to be able to embrace this concept, willingness to experiment, a sense of humor and patience, lots and lots of patience. 
But at the same time, if you do embrace this, let me tell you, coming from a girl that worries about everything, it allows you to breathe a little easier, relax into the journey, allow yourself to figure things out as you go along versus beating yourself up every step of the way because you think you should be at a certain place or should be acting a certain way or doing certain things. It allows you to just say, you know what? This is going to be okay. I am going to figure this out no matter what. Okay, so I read the entire book, and it's funny. I didn't have a lot of time before this interview, so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to skim the book, pull out some of the best parts, and we're going to talk about it. But no, no, no. I told Marie, I'm so mad at you because I sat down to read it, and I literally couldn't put it down. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have time to do this. I had another project that had a deadline, but I couldn't stop. The stories are really, really inspiring. And the lessons, they're so practical. And I felt like, okay, I could do this. I I haven't thought of it this way, but yeah, I could do this. So you're in for a treat for sure. But listen, I know you well. I know you really well, probably because I know myself well and we're very similar. So I read the book and I chose some topics that I know you're likely struggling with. And I know these topics are top of mind for you. So I wanted Marie to drill down into them a little bit more. So let me give you a hint. We are going to talk about one, listening to that little voice in your head. Number two, on beliefs, like what you believe to your core and how that is shaping you or holding you back. We're going to talk about excuses. Uh, You're going to love what she says about excuses. You're going to be able to call out your excuses like that. We're going to talk about fear because how can we not, right? And also my favorite part of the book, getting clarity around what you want. I mean, crystal, crystal clear. And she's going to talk about what happens when you don't. And then she's going to talk about what happens when you do and give you some practical tips and things you can do to start getting even more clear about what you want to create. And finally, we're going to wrap it all up with a bow and talk about perfectionism, because I know we all struggle with this. I'm raising my hand right now. Okay, so here's the deal. Everything is figureoutable.com. You can pre-order the book, or if you're listening to this later, you can actually buy it. We'll talk about that at the end as well, but everything is figureoutable.com is where you can get the details. I won't make you wait any longer. Let's get to it. Well, 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 look who has a book. Welcome to the show, Miss Marie Forleo. Oh my goodness, Amy. Thank you for having me back on for this big occasion. This is huge, huge, huge. Now, I've already said it in the intro, but I need to say it to you. You just blew my mind. I literally have a guidebook for how you built your business and what you thought, what you did, what happened. I am blown away by this book. So congratulations. Thank you. So, so good. So I want to start at the top and I want to talk about why the heck would you write a book? Because I know it can be agonizing to write a book, especially a book like this. Like this is, this is a lot of work. What made you think like, I want to write a book? Well, I'll tell you the truth, Amy, we had publishers and I had agents kind of courting me for years. Cause you know, I've been at this a long time. This is two decades in business 
And folks would come knocking and I was like, you know, I'm not ready. It's not my focus right now. I have other priorities, but there are other things that we're working on that take precedent. And I knew a book was coming, but it's kind of like this. And I think this is a good lesson for all of us, certainly for me. You know, when I would look around at the marketplace and look around at, at our friends and colleagues and people I admire and see them like churning out book after book after book, of course, that part of my mind was like, what are you doing? You know, why aren't you writing books? But I had to trust the deeper, wiser part of me that is really patient and that knows for me, I'm all about quality over quantity. And this particular idea felt like it was a little seed that, of course, was planted when I was very young. I've talked about this idea uh, for my whole career, but as a book, like in book form, it felt like it was a seed that was planted in the ground and it wasn't a fast grower. Like it needed to take its time. And if I pushed it or rushed it, it just wouldn't have worked out well. Back in 2015, the fall of 2015, I was at an event for OWN, Oprah Winfrey's network. I had recently done Super Soul Sunday. I was at a premiere for a, a film a series that they created called Belief. And I saw Sherry Salata, who at the time was the co-president of OWN. And she came up to me and she said, hey, Marie, are you free on August 9th? And I was like, hmm, why? Yes, I am free on <laughs> August 9th. And she said, well, we're doing a whole event, a one-day event, a Super Soul event. We're having like nine speakers and Oprah would like you to be one of them. And of course, my jaw hit the freaking ground and I was like, oh, hell yes. Quickly after I said yes, the next question was, well, what's your talk going to be about? And it popped into my mental theater that this has to be about everything is figure outable. And something in my soul just said, you know what? Do this talk do it for Oprah. And if it feels good in your bones, and if there's like a good reception in the audience, then you know, now it's time for the book. So that's what I did. I did um, the talk on the Super Soul um, event. And then after that, I told my agent, I said, now it's time. And so that's when the whole thing started. But even more than that, Looking around our world, Amy, looking around what people are struggling with, what's happening, you know, not only in our country, but in every corner of the planet. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got some really big problems that we're facing. Yes. Individuals facing problems with, you know, just trying to make um, ends meet, growing their businesses, you know, healthcare, the environment, inequality and injustice on every level. It's like we need brilliant, creative humans to believe in themselves and their ability to make a difference. And so for all of the reasons, both my personal timing and what's happening around us, I was like, now is the time to do this. Uh, well, I'm so very glad you did because there are some gems in here that we need to talk about. So as you know, because you and I talked before we started recording, I chose some topics that I just know my listeners are struggling with or thinking about or want to dive deeper in these areas. So if you're cool with it, we're just going to go down the list and we're going to dive into some of these. Good? Perfect. Okay. Perfect. So first, we're going to talk about listening to that little voice inside you. So in the book, you tell the story of being a trading assistant on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange on Wall Street. So although it was a good, safe, solid job, you heard a whisper that kept telling you, this isn't what you're supposed to be doing in your life. And you even turned down a promotion at Vogue. I mean, come on, Vogue. You turned down a promotion at Vogue because that voice again told you, this isn't right for you. So someone right now is listening that truly needs to hear 
how you tapped into that inner voice so that you could actually hear it. Our, our inner voice is noisy and chatting way too much. And so how did you quiet things down to actually hear it? And then also, how did you make that terrifying decision to choose the unknown of building your coaching business versus something more safe? So you might need to give a little context around this question, but give me some of your insight here. Absolutely. So I will have to thank my mom once again uh, (laughs) for training me since I was really tiny about the fact that there is such a thing as a small inner voice. You know, she taught me when I was walking to school, you know, and I started, I wanted to walk to school so bad, Amy, because I'm one of those independent, (laughs) I'm like, no, don't walk me. I can do it on my own, you know, and it was blocks away. And she said, all right, look, if a car pulls up next to you and someone rolls down their window and says, hey, little girl, do you want some candy? You have to listen to that small inner voice inside because it's probably going to say run and you need to trust it. So my mom trained me from the time I was a child in that I had this inner guidance system that would never steer me wrong and that would always keep me on the path, my path to being safe, to being happy, to doing the right thing. So I heard this message all throughout growing up and then when I was at Wall Street, I really understood how to pay attention to it. Does that make sense? So I had this training early on. And I think all of us have this small inner voice. But to your point, sometimes it's hard to distinguish between the chatty, fiery voice, right? That's going, oh, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't Mm -hmm. do it. And something kind of deeper and wiser. One hint that I've noticed for myself, that small, still inner voice usually speaks calmly. And there's a quiet, grounded, confident nature to it. And I've also noticed the fearful, chatty voice, the insecure one, the one who can compare, the one who can get in scarcity, that voice usually speaks or sounds frantic. Uh, This is good. A pacing to it that's very, very quick, right? And very, very frenetic and afraid, quite frankly. And we'll talk more about this, but I, I think just that distinction alone can help people start to tease through between. And we'll talk for a minute about a really quick test that anyone can do to tell the difference between fear and intuition. But I also want to say this. I want to say that when it comes to your intuition. A lot of people think like, well, I don't have intuition, right? I I just think I was born without it. And that's not true. The way you can start to understand when you've overridden your intuition is to actually go back into your history and start to look back at places where you made a decision that you later regret. And if you can comb through your memories to see, was there a funny feeling that you had Was there some thoughts where you were like, wow, this sounds really good on paper. This sounds like something that's going to give me an advantage. Everyone else would say yes to this, or there's a lot of money here, but something in you was trying to pull you back and your ego overrode it. Yes. Okay. So if you have any examples like that, then you have proof for yourself that you have intuition and you also have some instances of exactly how and where and when you barreled through it because your ego took over and you didn't trust it. Uh, So good. So good. So as you were building your business over the years, you've been in business how many years now? Almost 20 like almost 20. So crazy. So that's double the years and we're not too far in age. So that's double the years I've been at this. So almost 20 years and that little voice, can you, can you think of times when 
the little voice came up, but you too let the ego run with it. I'm guessing those are the things we kind of regret. Yeah. And you know what? I don't have a clear one right now. I am certain that they are there, but I think I've trained myself pretty well. Like when I make a big fumble, I'm just like, ah, okay, move on.org. Right. Yes. Um, but when it came to the decision to build my own business, here's one of the reasons I was able to listen to that voice. The voice got me out of Wall Street, even though I didn't have a backup plan. I don't come from a lot of money. I had no trust fund. I was tens of thousands of dollars in debt. So I didn't feel safe leaving Wall Street because um, I had a safety net. I felt safe doing it because I had a pivotal conversation with my father. That was number one. And number two, um, I was basically making myself sick on the floor. Like the reason I left is because I practically had a panic attack. I couldn't breathe. I was getting dizzy. And my body physically revolts when I am doing something that is not in my highest and best. Like physically, I start to break down. Okay. So that's a good sign to listen to as well. So we've got to listen to the voice or how our body is responding. And we have to be very aware of when the ego or fear is actually getting in the way. I think the, yes, I love what you just said. I'm going to use this personally moving forward. That voice when it's quick and frenetic and like, oh my gosh, what's going on versus calm and a little bit more quiet. There's a difference. And I know that difference physically. I can feel that difference. Yes. Amy. You probably know this, not to interrupt you, but that voice, like the kind of scared one, it operates out of scarcity too. Like you're so afraid to miss out. You think someone else is going to get the opportunity or you think you're going to be left behind. Yes. That still small voice, it gives no Fs, none. Like Mm. it is so confident, so clear, so assured. I'll tell you this. Um, I was called by someone we both know to speak on a big stage like it was an enormous opportunity, quote unquote, right? <laughs> okay. That most of us would say, holy freaking cow, you have got to say yes to that. And the egoic, my egoic nature, right? My nature that wanted to be like, yes, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this opportunity came to me, was going like, I have to say yes to this. But it was at a time when I knew in my heart, I was like, this is not the right thing. I had all these other things scheduled. It would have taken me out of my business at a time. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yes, I get that- it. And I had to say no. And the still voice was so incredibly confident about that no. But I had to talk it through with a few people because I even was like, are you crazy for saying no? Like, are you nuts for saying no? Okay. So so, it's not always the easiest decision, but it's it's the- often the hardest. Yes. That's a great point. It's often the hardest. And I do want to, before we move on, I want to make sure that I give people the quick test between fear and intuition, because this is one of the most useful things for everyone listening right now, because sometimes it is really difficult to tell the difference, right? Whether it is natural fear that you should move through because it's going to help you grow stronger and more capable and more resilient. It's just like your soul wanting you to move ahead, even though it's scary versus intuition, like waving her hands, jumping up and down, you know, using uh, basically air traffic control (laughs) lights to go, don't do it. Don't go. No, turn around. And here it is. Uh, It's a very, very simple test. It's understanding the difference between when you feel expansive and contracted. And here's what I mean by that. Here's how you do it. Let's say you're looking at an opportunity to go to a speaking event, for for example, or to hire a particular person or to make a particular investment in your business, and you're not sure if it's the right way to go. What I want everyone to do is you think about this opportunity and you get really still. You should be by yourself. Take a few deep breaths. Close your eyes. This isn't cheesy or woo-woo. This is about tuning in rather than tuning out. Then ask yourself, 
does moving ahead with this opportunity, this person, this investment make me feel expansive or contracted? And in the nanosecond after you ask that question, if you're still and you're paying attention to your inner physiology, I guarantee you, you will either feel a sense of joy, lightheartedness. You'll feel your body physically moving forward. There will be a sense of like anticipation in a positive way. Even if it's something that's terrifying, you've never done before, you know what I mean? All those things. There's going to be this very subtle movement towards expansion, however you define that. On the other hand, if you ask that question and you start to sense dread, anxiety, you start to feel heaviness, your shoulders hunch forward, your stomach just drops, maybe your head almost unconsciously starts to shake. No, you move back in space. Those are all indications of what I would call a contracted state. That's your intuition saying no go. So we, we talk about even more questions in the book and like a whole series of kind of uh, criteria that you can put yourself through, but that's the basic gist of it. And I promise you, you will know every single time. And it may not make sense. Again, just like what we talked about, the opportunity could look great on paper. All the numbers could line up logically, reasonably. You're like, why am I saying no to this? That's why you have to trust your instinct. And instincts are not woo-woo. You talk to some of the greatest business leaders of our time, again, whether it's Oprah, Richard Branson, Barbara Corcoran, there are so many folks out there who have years and years of seasoned experience who talk about the power of following their instinct. And this is one exercise that if you practice enough, you'll be able to tap into yours. Okay. I love the practicality of this. This is something we can actually do. So guys, don't forget this. This is something we can pull out and use when we need it most. Okay. So we're moving on to the next topic that when I was reading in the book, I thought, oh, we've got to talk about this one. So in the book, you outline the process of creation. So specifically, you say thoughts create feelings, feelings create behaviors, and behaviors create results. And I've been talking about this all year long. When I started this weight loss journey, I have a weight loss coach that literally subscribes to this. We call it the model. And so this was something I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I've been doing this. I I can get behind it. But then in the book, you went deeper and you point out that beneath our thoughts are these beliefs that are pretty deep in us. And I want you to talk about this because I've never looked at it like there's something beneath the thought. So can we talk about beliefs? Yes, a hundred percent. I mean, beliefs, in my opinion, are the hidden scripts that run our lives. That's a force that underpins literally every action we take and how we interpret and respond to the world around us. So you want to think about it like it's a train track, right? They're determining, meaning our beliefs are determining where we go and how we get there. And a belief is nothing more than this. It's something that you know with total and absolute certainty. It's a thought that you have decided, whether consciously or unconsciously, is the truth with a capital T. So for me, what I've seen over these two decades are our beliefs are the root of our reality and our results. So in that little creation formula we talked about, it's more like this. Our beliefs create our thoughts, which create our feelings, which create our behaviors and our results. So in order for us to achieve any kind of dream or any kind of goal that we set out or to solve any problem, what we have to do first is make a change at the level of belief. Because when you change a belief, you change 
everything. Okay. So would it be safe to say that early on you cultivated a belief that everything is figure outable, like the whole yes. premise of the book? Yes. And, um, you know, we don't have to go through the whole story, but it's something that it's I so learned good. So good. by osmosis and also just uh, witnessing my mom right? You have to understand I grew up in the 80s, which was a time when we did not have internet. We didn't have Google. We didn't have YouTube. And my mom is someone who's high school educated. She grew up in poverty. Uh, you know, She learned by necessity kind of how to stretch a dollar bill around the block five times. So when I was growing up, I would watch her just dive headfirst, Amy, into everything, right? Like, so if the roof was leaking and she called- <laughs> That you know, was a great roofer, story. Thank you. Yeah. And like, you know, the roofer was like, oh, you know, to repair that, it's going to be about 500 bucks. Again, my mom's the most frugal person in the world. <laughs> you know, I'd catch her up on the roof with asphalt and be like, what the hell is going on? And she's like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. I'm saving money. It's not, you know, it's no problem. And then another time I'd come home and I'd find her in the back of the house and I'd walk into the bathroom and there's like, Amy, there was like pipes sticking out. There's like dust. <laughs> particles on the wall. And again, I'm like eight or nine years old. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? I'm thinking like, you know, some tragedy. She's like, oh no, I, you know, I saw some cracks in the tile and I didn't want the bathroom to get moldy. So I figured I'd just retile the bathroom. And again, you have to know, like my mom was trained as a beautician. She knows how to do <laughs> hair, right? It's just not an engineer. Anyway, uh, long story short, it's me seeing her constantly do things that no one had ever showed her how to do yet she charged towards them. And one time she told me that phrase. And to be really honest, Amy, I can't remember because I was so young, whether she said it or that's what I heard. Do you oh, know how wow. You, that, you know what I mean? Like, yes. you know, like kids, like as, a, or even as adults, right? We sometimes hear something, but we kind of jumble it up in our own uh -huh. mind and make it mean something. So this idea that everything was figure outable was her just being like, nothing's that big of a deal. You just roll up your sleeves, you get in there and you figure it out. And so that was embedded so deeply into my soul, that belief that I realized as I got older and became an adult, every time I would run up against a wall, whether it was limiting beliefs about money, I had tons of those. I had limiting beliefs about my work. I had limiting beliefs about my worth, my ability in relationships, my competency, how people were gonna take me seriously or not. I recognized that this one belief, this meta belief, everything was figure outable, was like the master key that could solve them all. When I first started on my personal development journey, which this may be similar to you or anyone listening, right? There is often a time like, okay, well, we need to go ferret out all of those limiting beliefs. You need mm -hmm. to understand what limiting beliefs are holding you back. Yeah. And what I've now seen in retrospect is you don't. Because if you adopt this one master key, everything is figure outable, you'll handle anything for the rest of your life. So when you bump into a negative belief of your own, something you've absorbed or you've learned, or, you know, life has kind of led you in that direction. If you truly believe that everything is figure outable, then you believe you can overcome it, whatever it's that limiting so belief was. Does that true. make sense? It's a real time saver. You don't have to spend all these years in therapy or all these years, you know what I mean? Got like trying to hunt down your limiting beliefs. You could just go, oh, everything is figure outable. I'll tackle that when it comes up. It's so true because when I was reading the book and, and you really drilled down on this topic and you tell so many beautiful stories, here's another thing, you guys, that I love about the book when you grab it is that 
One, Marie tells her story. So you get to know more about Marie and how she got to where she is and, and all of her personal stories that just she brings to life in the book. But she also tells stories of other people who also have this belief that everything is figure outable. And as I was reading all the stories, there was almost like my shoulders kind of fell. Like there was a calm, like, oh, oh, it's, I, I can do anything. Like I genuinely can figure out anything. And I am a worrier by nature. So that was a huge relief to me. Yes. And here's the thing. There's, you know, there's three simple rules that we set up in the beginning of the book that I want to say for anyone listening right now, like, come on, girl, is really everything figure outable? Like, I don't think so. The three rules. So um, basically, when I first told this idea to a friend of mine who had an eight-year-old son, we were all having brunch together. And I said, you know, my book is called Everything is Figure Outable. This was in the early stages. And he looks at me and he scrunched up his face. He's like, no, it's not. I said, oh, well, well, tell me. Tell me something that's not figure out. He's like, well, I can't grow human wings out of my back and fly away. And I said, but you can fly. And then he was like, oh, yeah, you're right. And then he's like, you know, but I can't bring my childhood dog back from the dead. And I was like, well, that's true, but it's not figure outable yet. And I said, did you know that scientists are working on cryogenics? And did you also know that folks are working on dog cloning? So some folks have actually brought their dog back from the dead in a weird kind of way. So <laughs> that conversation with an eight-year-old prompted me to go like, we need some rules here so that people have a mental container to understand how this works. So here's the three simple rules. Rule number one, all problems or dreams, however you want to frame it, are figure outable. Rule number two, if a problem isn't figure outable. It's not a problem. It's a fact of life. For Mm. example, death and gravity. Those are just facts, right? right? Just facts of life. Rule number three, you may not care enough to figure out a particular problem or reach a particular dream. And that's okay. Find something that you feel so passionate about, something that is so important to you to figure out and go back to rule one. Mm, so good. I mean, you set those up right from the get-go and people can kind of just ease into this concept. And yeah. as you say in the book, have a beginner's mind. Just try it on for size. Try it before you deny it. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. Try it before you deny it. So good. So good. Okay. So I am loving this conversation. We need to talk about a topic that comes up for all of us for sure. Yes. And that is excuses. So in the book, you talk about two very important four-letter words, and they are can't and won't. And I believe the word can't is what's keeping some of my students from reaching the big, bold goals that they've set for themselves literally this year. So that word can't is like really wrecking havoc. So can you talk about these two words and, and what they really truly mean? Yes. So here's the problem. And and once again, I'm raising my hand for this too. So this is not me like Moses coming down from the mountain saying, I never have excuses. Like (laughs) excuses, you guys are like weeds. They grow in our garden and we all have to constantly look out for them and like rip those suckers out. Yes. So 99% of the time when we humans say we can't, what can't is, is a euphemism for won't. And what does won't mean? Won't means that we're not willing to right? In other words, you don't really want to. You don't actually want to do the work. You don't want to take that risk. You don't want to get up earlier. You don't want to go to sleep earlier. You don't want to get uncomfortable or be inconvenienced. It's simply not a big enough or important enough priority to you. And now before anyone goes, no, 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 that's not true. Before you disagree or find an exception, which I'm sure there are, just humor this 
conversation for a moment, like just hang out with us. If you consider how this might be true in your life, even a portion of the time, I promise you, you will break free from 99% of the crap that holds you back. So for example, a lot of people say, you know, I can't get up every day and work out. I just don't have the time. Or I can't get the writing done, right? I don't have the time. Or I can't forgive her for what she's done. But if you actually go back to those statements and replace the word can't with won't, you get something much more truthful. I won't get up every day and work out. I won't find the time to get the writing done. I won't forgive her for what she's done. So this distinction is huge because when you try it on, Amy, at least this is my experience for me, I'll call myself out on it. Whenever I've said to myself, for example, like, oh my God, I can't wait to learn to speak Italian fluently, which I can't right now. I'm not able to, meaning. If I actually look at how I live my life every day, Amy, do you know what? Just over the past couple of days, do you want to know what's taken a higher priority for me than spending time in my language learning app? What? Watching Stranger Things. (laughs) I'm glad you can just admit it. (laughs) No, it's the truth. But this is why I feel free because I have no self-delusions around why I am not reaching certain goals. I am reaching precise goals that I have said are important. And you know how I know they're important? Because they show up in my calendar and I actually do them. The reason the book is done is because I stopped saying I can't because I don't have time for it. I said, nope, this is a priority. It's happening. I didn't stop running the rest of the business. I didn't stop doing Marie TV. I didn't stop doing anything. I just got real with myself and stopped making excuses. And by the way, I wasn't making excuses before. I just don't want to beat myself up here. And I'd also don't want to be dishonest. The truth was I didn't want to write it yet. I had other priorities. The idea wasn't ready. It was not the right time. But once it became the right time for me, I have no self-delusions. It's like, no, whatever is real in my life, it's because I dedicated time, energy, and effort to it. And whatever is not, it's not because I can't do it. It's because I haven't been willing to. I don't want it bad enough. It's not a priority. Oh, so good. And I think it just comes down to getting really honest with ourselves. And I think we could all probably find our example of stranger things. Like I think we could all just find one of those really quickly. And you're right. Once you just put it out there, it's almost freeing or it is freeing. It's totally freeing. And here's the thing, saying that you don't want something, meaning like I won't get up to work out, right? Or I won't stop eating those, whatever it is that is your food of choice. Or again, I won't stop spending hours and hours in social media. That's not being bad. You're not beating yourself up there. It doesn't make you lazy. It just makes you honest. And this is the thing. When we get real with ourselves and we eliminate all excuses, we have so much more freedom, so much more energy, so much more desire to go after that which we do really want. And that's the whole point. Yes. I'll add one more thing to this. When I started to become more honest with myself with this whole idea of can't and won't, about a year ago is when I started to really apply it. I started to trust myself more because I wasn't playing games with myself or I wasn't delusional. And so there was this like inner trust, which led to confidence. Yes. And that's the whole thing. So for anyone listening, when you hear yourself making an excuse, just check yourself before you wreck yourself. When the (laughs) word can't comes out of your mouth, do a self-check and say, what happens if I say won't hear? Does that feel more true? And if it does, pat yourself on the back because you're being honest with you. 
Oh, so good. There's the, another practical exercise right there. Next time you hear yourself say can't, let's replace it with won't and see how that feels. Oh, so good. Okay, we are moving on and we're moving on to talk about getting clarity around what you want. Now, I'm going to read a little bit from the book and I wish you could see my book. It's earmarked and highlighted everywhere. I'm an active reader. So I turned right to the spot that I wanted to read, but let me set this up a little bit and then I want you to jump in. In the book, you point out that most people are not crystal clear on what they're working to create. So guys, listen up here. If you're multitasking, come back. To me, this was one of the most powerful points in the book, this idea of not being crystal clear on what we really want to create. And in the book, you actually list a host of problems that tend to show up when you don't have something clear and meaningful to work toward. So I want to read some of these really quickly, and you guys just... You could just shout out loud if you're on the subway in the car to say, that is me if you can relate because I think this is going to hit home. Here we go. Feeling lost, not where you should be by now or off track. You have recurring thoughts like, is this all there is? Am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing in life? So if you ever feel that way, you might not be crystal clear on what you want to create. Here's another one Marie added. Struggling to prioritize or schedule your time because you don't know what's most important or how to navigate competing opportunities. Or here's another one. Failing to produce meaningful results despite always being super busy. You confuse activity with accomplishment. So you say, I'm running myself ragged, but I have nothing substantial to show for it. A lot of my community that are just getting started with building a business, they are super busy. But at the end of the day, they look at their bank account and they're like, what the heck am I doing this all for? So here's another one. Teetering on the edge of burnout. You're exhausted and irritated and you fantasize about running away and never looking back. Oh, amen, sister. I've been there. So talk to me about this because you're saying that if you don't have a crystal clear plan on what you really want to create, these are some of the things that you likely are feeling. So let's break this down. Yeah. You know, the struggle is real and it is really understandable. Like I never took a dream clarity class. (laughs) Right. Right. I don't think anyone listening did. And most of us have little to no instruction on how to figure out what we really want in life or how to get ourselves back on track when we get off track. And all of us do. So the reason I wanted to write this chapter and I wanted to talk about this specifically is because when it comes to figuring anything out, you can't hit a target that you can't see. So we need to get ultra, ultra specific. And look, Amy, you know this about me. I am a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I think everyone listening, we have very big eyes. We have super big appetites (laughs) when it comes to our goals and dreams. We want to do all the things. And what I wanted to emphasize and encourage people, especially as they're adopting the everything is figure outable philosophy and really owning that for themselves, is to get clear and choose one thing. It's kind of like this. You know when you're learning to ride a bike and you need training wheels? 
right? Yes, because yes. you just have to get the skill down. Like you have to understand how to hold those handlebars and like how to properly steer and, you know, how quickly to kind of pedal in order to get the momentum you need. And then once you feel secure with all of those motions, then we can take the training wheels off. Then you can just do whatever you want. If you want to like ride dirt bikes or, you know what I mean? Mountain bike or whatever you have the skills you need. So the reason I have this here in the book, uh, talking about dream clarity is I wanted to set people up to succeed to choose one really important thing to figure out to basically almost essentially build like your figure outable muscle mm -hmm. so that once you gain confidence, then we can go back and choose another dream and another dream. But I think most of us are so cloudy on whatever that thing is that we most want to figure out. And it causes that host of problems that you talked about. We feel overstretched, overcommitted, like we're being pulled in a bunch of different directions. So it is essential whether you're, again, learning the figureoutable philosophy or not, to get clear, to get specific. And in my experience, less is more. I'd rather see someone go for one big dream, one big goal, than have 15 that are like splitting them up all over the place and then they just feel like a hamster on a wheel. So that's a little bit around why getting clarity on what you want is so important. And then on a very practical level, you know, you alluded to this and, and I wrote about this. If you don't know what's most important, how are you going to wake up every day and give that the lion's share of your time, attention, and energy? How are you going to know what to say no to, what to say yes to? How are you going to manage your time being with your family and your loved ones and your self-care? So it is crucial that each of us are crystal, crystal clear on what's important to us and what it means to make that thing a reality or a success or, you know, whatever kind of criteria we have for actually bringing that thing to life. Okay, good. Because that leads me to something else you shared in the book that I want you to really drill down on. Because you shared that being clear and specific about what you want supercharges your brain's ability to help you figure out how to get it. And when I yes. read that, I had to like read it again. I want to, I want to make sure you guys hear this. So being clear and specific about what you want supercharges your brain's ability to help you figure out how to get it. Talk to me about this one. Yes. So there is a, a little magical neurological genie working 24 seven, 365 to guide and support you in your brain. And the only request from the genie is that you are clear and specific about what you want. And that genie's name is your RAS, your reticular activating system. So here's the deal. We are all flooded with billions of bits of information every second of every day, right? So if you've existed in a big city, if you've ever come to like New York City, for example, which is where I am right now, there is just so much information coming at you at once. And there's no way you could consciously process all of it. So you have to ask yourself, how does your brain decide what to let in and what to disregard? And part of the answer lies in that reticular activating system. What that is, is it, it's an attention filter. It automatically sifts and sorts incoming data and decides, helps you decide what's important and what's not in terms of your conscious awareness. And it will only let through things that are important. So everyone has experienced this, right? You may be in like a noisy cafe or in a noisy restaurant and there's like all kinds of glasses clinging and people eating and you hear their forks dropping on their plates. Yet if someone calls your name or says your name, you turn in a second. Why? Mm -hmm 
because your name's important to you. So you can, you know, and we've had that at parties too, right? Where the music's pumping and there's just all kinds of sounds. And I'm sure you've had this. Like if you faintly hear Amy, you can tune into that above everything else and go find it because it's important. Who's speaking to me right now? That's your reticular activating system at work. We've also probably seen this when it comes to, let's say like, okay, for the ladies, right? A particular outfit. If you see an outfit that you like, like a particular jumpsuit, and all of a sudden you notice this jumpsuit, and then you're like, oh my goodness, I'm seeing this jumpsuit everywhere. (laughs) That's not just Instagram listening to your conversations. That's your particular (laughs) activating system at work because you'll see it on, you know, on an advertisement, you'll see it in a store. And all of a sudden it's like jumpsuit nation. So the act of clearly defining your goal your dream or the problem you want to solve tells your RAS that this is now important. And even on a subconscious level, Amy, your brain will start sifting, sorting, and filtering all the information around you to help you zero in on the exact things you need to help bring that dream to life. For example, it might be a magazine article. It might be a lyric in a song. It might be a notion of, to, oh, you know, I've got that friend in Missouri. I haven't thought of her in years. I should really call her. Your brain is going to be working 24-7, 365 to surface information to your conscious brain to help you achieve that goal. That's how it works. But if you don't give it something clear and specific to work on, it can't. Uh so good. Okay. This reminds me this year, I've been talking a lot about Rachel Hollis's start today journal where every day you write down what you want, but in a way like it's already happened. Mm. And so this really ties into that. So if I say I am on the today show being interviewed about my business, I'm clear that that is what I want. And so there's all these opportunities that come up to get me there. Yes. Your brain is going to help you follow those threads that are seemingly disparate sometimes or those weird intuitive hunches. Again, listening to the right podcast. Your brain is a supercomputer and it is powerful, but you have to assist it. I also think too, and not to get too woo-woo here, but I do believe that we live in a highly intelligent and responsive universe. And I think when you are crystal clear about what it is that you want, that there are other forces at play that kind of help to line things up. But, you know, I talk about it like putting in a to-go order in with the cosmos, right? You have to (laughs) know what you're ordering. But if you've got like wishy-washy dreams and they keep changing and from this to that to the other thing, or you're not really specific about it, the universe is like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's going to give you wishy-washy results, right? So it's just about being clear and specific. I also think about this because I'm obsessed with renovation and home design and interior design. And I've gone through enough renovations to know this, Amy. Unless I am crystal mother effing clear and specific, what I think about like, hey, this needs to be kind of a soft, rounded edge, that means something completely different to someone else who's interpreting what I think is a soft, rounded edge. Unless I give them specific measurements, right? Examples, photographs, and we're all on the same page, there is a lot that's lost in translation. This works on a meta level with your dreams as well. Okay. I remember you telling me a story. This is totally a side note. When you were renovating something with Josh and you're like, I'm pretty much going to drive him crazy with these spreadsheets. 
Like, oh yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. It's so, this just happened actually recently because we're working on another renovation <laughs> and um, he's like, Marie, not everyone uses Google sheets like you do. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to raise their standards. Like here's my Google sheet and everyone's got to log in and follow it because I'm organized. Right. I totally feel the same way. Like get on board, everybody. This is happening. <laughs> That's right. This Google sheets train has left the station and you're either on board or you're not. So true. So true. I love it. Love it. Okay, so I am obsessed with this topic of getting clear on what you want, getting crystal, crystal clear. So here's the deal, guys, to make this practical. Number one, ask yourself, do you think you are crystal clear on what you want? And if you're like, mm, I'm not too sure, then you're not. So my next question for you, Marie, is for those that want to get crystal clear, where do they start? How do they figure this out? I really think it's all about writing things down. And for someone, you know, and I found this too, a lot of folks are dream anemic. They're not really sure what they want. They have a really challenging time defining it specifically. And the prompt that has always helped me is this, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, wouldn't it be cool if I only worked four days a week and my business still, you know, tripled in revenue? Wouldn't it be cool if I got back to the kind of strength and stamina I used to have 15 years ago? Wouldn't it be cool if I found the perfect person to manage my business on a day-to-day level so that I could be the creative and go out and build the business? Wouldn't it be cool if is a prompt that works for everything and it's a way to get your creative juices flowing. It's a way to allow yourself to brainstorm possibilities and just just get it all on the page. You know, there's another lesson we talk about in the book, which is clarity comes from engagement, not thought. And I am a huge fan of writing things down, not just because it becomes crystal clear on the page, but because there's actually a study by Dr. Gail Matthews, who's a professor of psychology at the Dominican University of California. And she did a study that proves you are 42% more likely to reach your goals if you write them down. But again, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. If you are having trouble even clarifying it, I'd say, get out that pen get out that paper. Don't even do it on a Google doc, even though I love me some <laughs> Google docs. There's so much magic that comes when you go old school analog, when you just get that piece of paper, a simple lined notebook and let your imagination run wild. The thing about brainstorming, Amy, especially at this phrase, when we're trying to just get clear on it, is you don't want to edit yourself. You don't want to be reasonable. You don't want to be, um, oh, that could never happen. Or, oh, I don't know how that would happen. Give yourself room to play. Be childlike. Let your imagination go off the deep end and then step away for a little bit. And then you can come back. And again, hopefully folks will get the book because I have a very specific process that we can't go into just simply because we don't have the time, but to help people really evaluate the different dreams in terms of their feasibility, how important it is, you know, what's going to be required and do a little self-check-in so they can narrow it down to one big one that they feel on every level is the one that they want to go towards. I totally agree. I think I personally, if I had to choose my favorite chapter, it's define your dream. So that's where you're going to find a lot of this, guys. It's one of my favorite sections where it's very practical. So you're right. That exercise in there, priceless. Okay. So we're going to move on to the final topic, and that is perfectionism. Now, in the book, you say that having and holding yourself to high standards is not the same as perfectionism. Now, I need you to talk about this because 
I know my audience knows you well and they know your stuff. So they look at that and they're like, oh, Marie is totally a perfectionist because I know that there's probably little typos we could find, but I never find that on your stuff. And I could find a typo in a haystack any day. So (laughs) your stuff is beautiful and feels perfect. And I'm thinking you're a total perfectionist. Yeah. And and you're saying you're not. Well, here, I am a recovered one, right? <laughs> Amen, I sister. remember in the early days, well, first of all, here's the deal. When I was first starting out, I had hugely high standards, but I couldn't reach them. I didn't have the team to reach them. I wasn't capable of that yet. And now I'm grateful again after two decades to have a team around me who they also have very high standards. They're high achievers. They love creating stuff, but we all actually support each other. You know, done really is better than perfect. And here's the thing. Perfectionism isn't a set behavior. It's really a destructive way of thinking about yourself. So for example, when you make a mistake or if you fail, you stumble, you don't just feel disappointment in how you did, but in who you are. And I think that's a big distinction. Like for all of us who have very high standards, we have to understand that we are not the work. We are not the website. We are not the program. We are not the podcast. We are not the graphic that we put out. This is an expression of us. And there has to be a little bit of distance between those things. Mm. And so when you start to look at how destructive perfectionism can really be, it's quite scary. You know, when I was doing research for the book, I discovered this and I didn't know this. You know, there was a study done between 2003 and 2006 and researchers interviewed the friends and family of people who had recently committed suicide and they discovered something shocking. More than half of the deceased were described as perfectionist by their loved ones. There was another study that showed that people who describe themselves as perfectionists tend to actually die earlier in life. So there's a morbidity thing there. Uh, A morbidity, excuse me. And by contrast, people who are conscientious optimists tend to live longer. And then there's all these other studies. There's actually this guy, his name is Dr. Paul Hewitt, uh, and his colleague found that perfectionism correlates with depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and a whole host of other mental health problems. So it's deadly. Not only is it detrimental to your health and your happiness and your productivity, but ironically, it's the thing that often keeps us from reaching the levels of achievement that we're capable of. So that's why it's so important to understand those distinctions. And again, I just want to be clear with everyone. I karate chop my pillows on my couch. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm the person who like drives not Josh like nuts when we have like our little, like I have, you know, these nice little linen napkins. Uh, They're like a antique linen because they feel so soft and they're awesome. And they have stripes at the bottom. I'm like, dude, you're not folding them right. Like, so I get it. And Poor I'm Joshy. Poor Joshy, but he loves me. I was going to say, I was like, you know, you don't have it too bad because I'm like super fun and I love it <laughs> too. So it's not the worst. We definitely, you know, we balance each other out. But my point is this, you don't have to lower your standards. You just have to keep a watchful eye for when perfectionism turns into self-destructive behaviors and self-destructive thinking. And if it can hold you back from actually just being lighthearted and enjoying things. And Amy, to your point about like my actual business, oh man, we see so many things. We're like, oh shit, that went out janky. And then we go fix it. So (laughs) early in the days, I will tell you, I used to be way more tight around these things than I am now. 
And that's one of, I think the beautiful things that comes with time and experience is you get a little perspective. So I want everyone to hear this. You can have extraordinarily high standards, right? You can challenge yourself. You can grow, you can strive for excellence and you do not have to be bogged down by perfectionism. And one of the mantras that we all use, I use this internally for my team and I would offer it to everyone listening now is we want to always focus on progress, not perfection. That's why it's a whole chapter in the book. When you are figuring things out, it's going to be messy. You're going to suck. You're not going to get things right. Things are going to crash and burn. But if you focus on simply making progress and not getting it perfect, you are on your way to a lifelong adventure that is full of learning and growth and ironically, super high achievement. Ah, so good. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about this progress you mentioned, because in the book, you talk about staying in the progress zone and you give some useful, practical tips that people can do to make sure that this is happening. So one of the practices that you talk about is actually asking ourselves, what's the next right move? Can you break Mm -hmm. this one down for us? Yeah, absolutely. So oftentimes what happens when we're working on something big and it's important, we have a setback, right? Something breaks, somebody quits, the whole thing crashes and burns. And we can often feel like, oh, it's not going to happen. I should just give up. I should just quit. I'm not meant to do this. Like, you know, you just hear that whole cacophony of voices. Mm -hmm. And so when you start to hear that, if you can just pause and instead of saying, what's the point, ask yourself, what's the next right move? what's the next right move? And then just listen inside for your answer. What might come up is something like this, Amy. It could be as simple of, you know what? The next right move is to take a nap, girl, because you haven't been sleeping and you're not taking care of yourself. So the next right move here is to sleep on it. Or maybe the next right move is to go grab a glass of water or to go do a workout or to reach out to a friend who's maybe in your industry to say, hey, can we just talk about this? That's the next right move here. So it's a really simple prompt, but it keeps us from falling back into that defeatism of feeling like what's the point when we hit a setback on the journey. And there are going to be tons of setbacks on your journey to figuring out your biggest dreams. I guarantee you that. But that simple question of what's the next right move, and if you turn inside and listen to the answer, you will put yourself back on the path to progress and growth. Ah. So good. Oh my gosh. We could go on and on and on. There are so many good practices and principles inside this book. I, I know I'm over the moon excited about it, but I also know my students and my community are going to love every minute of it. So here's the deal. To wrap this up, I want to let everybody know, depending on when you're listening to this podcast episode, the book is out on September 10th, 2019. So September 10th, you could grab your copy. However, you can pre-order, which I highly recommend you do. So if you go to everythingisfigureoutable.com, you can pre-order the book. And here's the cool thing. There's a chapter that didn't make the book. And Marie decided to turn it into a five-day coaching experience for anyone who pre-orders the book. So can you talk to us about that? Yes. So here's just a little inside baseball, right? About what happens in the book process. So I had this incredible material and my editing team was like, you know what? I don't think we need this. The book feels really complete here. And I was like, oh, okay, well that's fine. Give it back to me because this is really good stuff. And I actually think I can more effectively teach it if I have the benefit of audio and video and interaction. So 
I designed a way for people to embed the belief everything is figureoutable deep into their consciousness because I know that that's how it works for me, right? And so I'm trying to help people get this, not just to be a fun idea or something cool to say, but literally your operating system so that it operates 24-7, 365. So no matter where you look, you're like, oh, I can figure that out. So we're doing a five-day live immersive coaching program for everyone who pre-orders the book. So if you pre-order the book, just save your electronic receipt. That receipt is your ticket into the program. We've never done anything like this before. It's going to be amazing. You're going to be with literally thousands and thousands of people all around the world who are dedicated to figuring something out. And Amy, you know, there's one point in the book where at the end, I talk about building your figureoutable force field, which is like your friends who also believe that everything mm. is figureoutable because nothing is more detrimental to our growth than people who are like, no, you can't. Right. That's not going to work. What the hell are you doing? So the five-day coaching experience is going to be baller. It's happening in October of 2019. And again, ordering the book, pre-ordering the book, getting that receipt, that is your ticket in. You can't buy the program. You can only get into the program by pre-ordering the book. And the reason we're doing that is because the book is the foundation. So once you get the book, you can read it. And then in October, I'm going to teach you how to embed this uber powerful transformative belief into your system so that for the rest of your life, you'll be unstoppable. Ah, oh, so good. Everything is figureoutable.com. I'll, of course, link to it in the show notes as well. Go pre-order the book, you guys. You're going to love every minute of it. Marie, thanks again for being on the show. This is one of my favorite episodes, and we've done a lot together, but this is a good one. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Amy. Thank right. you. So there you have it. Everything is figureoutable.com. Grab your copy pre-order so you can get the five-day coaching experience. And if you're listening to this after September 10th, grab your copy ASAP so you can dive into the book. You're going to love every minute of it. Thanks so very much for tuning in to this extra special bonus episode. And I can't wait to connect with you again soon. Bye for now.